what's up everybody the 17 people who watch this thank you so much we're back uh i have a very special episode today firstly uh we i brought back wayne one of my favorite guests uh because he's the one who turned me on to james and uh james why don't you explain who you are why you're here what you do yeah i uh i was the creator and the host of the hide and see podcast and I uh, started a podcast based on a true crime mystery um, of a, I just wanted to find a case that was obviously uh, intriguing and uh, just investigated, dedicated the entire season, uh, the first season to this specific case. And um, here we are today. Uh, Wayne and I have been able to, you know, Wayne's been a big supporter and, you know, he's had my back from the get go. And so um, I'm honored to be here with you guys and, and looking forward to just chopping it up. Perfect. I love it. So um, what, what, uh, explain to the people what the case in particular uh, that the first season of the Hide and Seek podcast is about. Uh, first season of the Hide and Seek podcast was about a, a, a woman by the name of Nancy Moyer uh, who went missing on March 6, 2009. And just based on the circumstances of her, you know, her residence and how she went missing, there was enough there that it was like, how in this small town does this girl go missing? And so my, what I did and how I dedicated the first season was let's just go over everything with a fine tooth comb. Let's try to figure out what happened. And, you know, podcasting is a great platform to be able to get people to participate and, real time. So I was just trying to, uh, you know, investigate the case with a new pair of eyes and, you know, get people to participate and join in with their life experiences and, you know, just try to figure out what happened to Nancy. Great. And uh, Wayne, uh, so what, what, what's your involvement for the people to this case? So, so I, based on my role in the community, James just, I, he kind of cold called me and reached out to me and asked, uh, if I knew anything about Nancy's disappearance, not, not, Hey, do you know anything about Nancy's disappearance? <laughs> it was like, Hey man, I'm James. I'm going to be doing a podcast. I want to look into this. And it was coming up on what anniversary it was. It was coming up on the 10th uh, year. Yeah. It was coming up on the 10th year. And you know, I had every year uh, made it, you know, a benchmark that I would put out a press release to the local media uh, so that it wouldn't be forgotten about. And, you know, based on the fact that it was the 10th year, you know, I was like, I, I really want something to be different. I want something to really, you know, something significant to happen. And the, you know, just the stars aligned and James called me up and I, I took the phone call and we started talking, we hit it off. And I was like, this guy's cool. I, I believe in him. And then uh, we started just talking about, you know, everything about it. And, uh, some, you know, previous role that I had in the community was working as a, as a firefighter here. And I told him about some of the, some of the instances that I'd witnessed and been involved in and how they kind of uh, crossed over with his story. And, uh, and I, and I, you know, I, and I just, and I wanted to support him. And I, like, and I had the opportunity to kind of be his hype man. I was his flavor flavor a few times and you know, he was Chuck D and it was awesome. But then also, <laughs> Uh, based on some of the, you know, the things that I had witnessed, I also got to kind of play a part in the, in the podcast and tell stories that were relevant to her disappearance. And, uh, and it was, it was an amazing experience because James, James is like one of the hardest working dudes I've ever met. And he, he, he was just like doggedly determined to, you know, do this. And his approach was honest and authentic and, you know, he would go and he met with the, you know, Nancy's family and made a real good connection with them. And I mean, this, there, I do not think there are very many stories out there where, you know, James, you know, just some, some dude that's like, I'm going to do this and take it from a 10 year old cold case to sitting at possibly the murder site, you know, crisscross applesauce with what is likely the killer. I mean, it, like he, he ran that story from, you know, from beginning to end and he made it, the story took on a life of its own. And then it went based on his work. It went from cold case to a guy getting arrested and sent to federal prison 
I mean, that's, it, it's an amazing story and it needs, I, James needs to write a book. Somebody needs to write a book and it needs to be a movie. Uh, it, it's, it's a crazy story. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And I just, I, I love the, like, cause Wayne sent me the podcast um, right after we, we did a, we, we did, we did our own based on the Tonino wooden dollars. Now, if you're familiar with that, James, and yep. um, we just hit it off. And like, I guess we're kind of friends now, Wayne. And yeah. uh, <laughs> he sent me the, the podcast. Um, I think specifically the episode, the ruse. And I was like, man, this is blowing my fucking mind. This, this is really good. And I wanted to talk to you and just, I, I was so, I was just so enamored with the story. Um, and if anyone's, you know, anyone listening, please go check out James's podcast. It's really good. It's called Hide and Seek. Um, before we do all the plugs at the end, uh, James, where can people find the podcast for, for anyone listening now? Yeah, you, you can find it on any platform that you listen to your podcast on, whether that's iTunes, uh, Google Store, Spotify, Stitcher. I mean, it's on any major platform for, for podcast uh, sites. And so you can check it out there. Perfect. And so if anyone wants the story, that's a good place to do it. Um, but for now, uh, James, I'm hoping you can gift us with it, like a like a kind of synopsis of really what happens to Nancy in your journey through the podcast. Uh, yeah. So, um, March 6th, Nancy goes to work and, uh, it's a regular day at the department of ecology is where she worked at. She comes home. Um, we know that she, you know, she went to the local store and then went back to her residence and around 11, 11, 15, we know that that was the time that she, See, either something happened or left her residence. Um, and we, we know that because of the way that her heating turned on and it stayed on for the rest of the weekend. And we know that her door was cracked for the rest of the weekend uh, or, or open. And so uh, we have this female who goes missing and, and we don't know, you know, her cars are her cars at the house, her purses at the house, her identification, keys, um, everything's there so there's no reason to believe that she left the house knowing that she was leaving leaving all that stuff behind there was something that lured her away i guess that like you referred to it as the roost is which was i think it was episode three uh that that there was some sort of reason for her to leave um and that's that's all you got really honestly and so then you got to kind of dive into the you know, personal relationships that she had, whether it was friendships, whether it was boyfriends, whether it was, you know, strictly just, you know, physical sexual encounters. You kind of had to ask all these individuals, you know, what their relationships was like with Nancy. And, um, you know, I can easily say that I can make a case for four different individuals for Nancy's case, that I can make a case for that they were responsible um and that's what you're dealing with the entire case is is all of these different relationships whether they're friends or romantic um it's figuring out who's telling the truth and then at the same time you're you're trying to figure you know you're trying to to hold people accountable to a memory that they had 10 years ago right so there's the challenge in that and now some you know today you got some people who are not alive and who aren't with us to be able to you know, answer for, for their actions. But, you know, that's, that's kind of the gist of it is, is you're trying to put this girl's life together and you're reading all of her journal entries. You're reading all of her private, you know, messages that she had. And, you know, there's the, there's a challenge of, of my interpretation of what I saw or what I remember, or what I thought, what I felt are going to be different than yours. And you could have seen the exact same thing, but it's my interpretation versus yours. So there, there's just a lot of challenges in this case. Um, but then fast forward and you got a guy who calls in and says, hey, I did it. And, you know, there's challenges in that. That is completely in my eyes to how the system works, you know. Or doesn't. Um, which we can get into later, but, you know, there's, it's just, it's challenging. Uh, and so it's opened my eyes to 
how that part of the system works. It's not always, well, he's the most, you know, the leading suspect. Why don't you just go arrest him? Well, everybody's got the right to a speedy trial. Everybody's got, you know, there's a corpus electi rule, double jeopardy rule, all these things that law enforcement takes into account that we don't always think about. So a lot of twists and turns, a lot of, uh, he said, she said, and so that's, that's the case. Yeah. And it was, sorry, Wayne. It was wild. Like being a, like a witness in the first row to this whole thing. Like it, there were times when it was like minute by minute developments were happening and James, I mean, this guy was like a modern day, like detective, right? You know, I'm, I'm watching it and it's almost like this film noir thing going on. And he, he mentions four, four potential suspects. There were times when he was alone with these people and, and he's realizing that they're more of a sus suspect. So like James was in actual harm's way. He, I mean, it took a lot of courage and to, to not even, it takes courage to like step out and, and decide I'm going to do a podcast. Then it takes courage to go one-on-one -on -one in a room at night with a uh, potential murderer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that happened many times. It was, it was an adventure. I mean, and so there's, there's really two stories that I find fascinating in this whole tale. And one is the, you know, Nancy's story and what happened to her. But then the, the, the more intriguing tale is like, James as the character as as he goes through the and that's where I see the movie right that's where I see the movie about James like developing the story and moving through it as a modern day detective and using you know source using things like crowdsourcing as a tool to to do an investigation that book needs to be written that's the book you need to write Glenn oh man maybe I don't know <laughs> that's a lot of pressure <laughs> <laughs> um, um yeah and i do see that like james you do have like this handsome dark tall character uh um like film noir batman thing about you you're in, like a hotel room right now right yeah yeah amazing <laughs> yeah. so don't ask the, questions <laughs> i know i know <laughs> i ask weird stuff i say weird things sorry what address are you at right now but so when i was, <laughs> when I was listening to the podcast and uh, you know, you brought up such a great point, and, and so did Wayne. Like, you, it, I mean, that's kind of the allure of true crimes uh, media. I was listening to, you talked to, uh, it was the two Eric's, right? The, the people who allegedly had a threesome with Nancy. Uh, the two Aaron's. Aaron's, right. And yeah. Ju juice, Juicy Fruit and Double Mint. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she allegedly had a tattoo to symbolize the threesome and like the interview with that guy and the stuff that you were saying he did like he was he, he would be doing push-ups and some of the times he would talk to people like a total narcissist it makes you think oh well it's clearly him and then you just get thrown all of these different you know you, you get thrown so many different curveballs in real time and just just as a human being uh, especially when you're dealing with something so sensitive and and you know i see the facebook and the comments on Podbean, people were really invested in this story. You know, like, so you, with all these curveballs and stuff, was it stressful? And did you feel like you kind of had a, like a, a, even farther than as a podcaster, but like a duty to the people of, of Tanino to get the story straight and to get it figured out? Yeah, it was more of a duty to the family than so much it was to Tanino. Of course, I wanted to, you know, provide accurate information, but at the end of the day, these are people who got to live with this, you know, story beyond what I, what I'm doing with the podcast. At the end of the day, all the individuals involved, they, they have to live with what I put on the record. So you had a lot of individuals who were, you know, and that's what you want. You want them to, you want traffic. You want them to come through. You want them to message. You want them to put their information out there. You want them to comment. You like, you want to stir the pot. But, you know, it was something that I always kept in, you know, in the front for me was these people got to live with it when this is all said and done. So don't, you know, don't cause so much, you know, drama or issue for the wrong motive or reason, because at the end of the day, they got to live with it. And mm -hmm. so it was 
but at the same time, it's challenging because then you're, you're kind of, you know, you're deciphering through all the information that's coming through and saying, okay, well, what's, what's real and what's not the real, you know, um, there was tons of stories and information that I got like, well, you know, I know this and this person said this about Nancy. So you should look into them. And there were so many stories like that, that you kind of have to prioritize. Um, but just then again, when you're putting this content out there, you got to be careful that you're not putting, you're not misleading. You're not putting information that's going to, you know, you're not sensationalizing it in a way. And so it, it was challenging, but when your compass is right with your motive, it's easy to decipher through it. Right. Yeah. Once you figure out your why, like why you're doing it. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, I, I can see it being a lot easier because there's not even like, there's not even a, I forget what the German word is. I think it's like Hindanker Danken. I don't know. Alan Watts talks about this. <laughs> Wayne probably knows what it is, but it's like this dark thought you have in the back of your head and you know it uh, to be true, but you don't Heineken. admit it. What is it? <laughs> Heineken. Oh yes. It's, <laughs> I have tons of Heinekens in the back of my mind that I don't want to uh, be revealed. Uh, so I want to talk about what Wayne said before, you know, you're sitting in the room with people or right across mm. from people who are potential killers. Is it scary? What do you think? Like, what are you thinking during those moments? What safety precautions are you taking? How was that? I was a safety um, precaution. <laughs> oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, talk about that, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there were a couple of incidents you know, a few incidents that I walked into thinking, uh, you know, it, it can go down any moment, honestly. And, um, you know, whether you're dealing with drug dealers or you're showing up at the, can, you know, the, the, the guy who confesses to the murder, or you're talking to a guy who's been accused or, and, and has been convicted as a murderer and, and Wayne, you know, has had some firsthand experience of seeing what that was like. Here's, here's James and uh, the guy. Uh, who <laughs> that's you know, Bernard was, Howell, right? No, that's no. a different guy. This is uh, I don't know how much in, into the podcast you got. I didn't get too but, far. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I mean, this is, this is literally the, uh, yeah. the guy that who had confessed and, the day he got out of jail after he recanted his confession, uh, James and I went and knocked on his door. And well, James, James went first. He was, I stood behind him. <laughs> I was going to yeah, let James, I, this is James. Anybody's going to take a bullet, it's going to be James first. Yeah. And the guy yeah. reluctantly came out and then, uh, and, he, and he was still in his prison clothes. Yeah. And, uh, and he came out and sat down on the porch with us and he was very reluctant to talk to us, but James has, he's got, he's got a magic wand and, uh, he, he just, he's, he made the guy feel real comfortable and then just kind of a switch flipped. And he goes, would you guys like to take a walk with me out back? And we followed him out back. We followed the possible murderer out back to where he possibly murdered somebody. And there's a giant hole in the ground where law enforcement had spent days or weeks sifting through a fire pit where he allegedly disposed of the body. And he just sat down with us and we had a, what, like a four or five hour long conversation. It was, yeah, it was easily that. Easily we did not that. expect that, but it was, it was amazing. You know, and, and to add to that, this part of what we're talking about doesn't get added into the podcast, but you know, that, that situation when walking into the scene, not knowing what we're walking into, just going off of a, I was going off of a Facebook tip that Eric was at his house, you know, messaging Wayne the day of, Hey, do you want to go with me? I would like some backup, not knowing what I'm walking into and getting Eric out of the house, getting Eric to sit down on the porch to sit down the steps and then we, you know, meet him at his level, sit down. You know, there's a lot of reading his body language that we're working off of. And I'm telling him what my motive is, telling him what I'm trying to do. Wayne's, you know, 
chiming in with like, this is your opportunity, Eric. And there was a lot of Batman Robin that <laughs> you can say that was going on between Wayne and I going into that interview. And I would, I would say without Wayne to be able to support me on that, there is no interview. Mm. There was, there uh, was one point where like, was we like, weren't getting anywhere with him. And I remember, and I don't know, James just like, he, he, you know, like the, I don't know, the cues were all there and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to step off and go have a cigarette. And, yeah. and James is the point man. And then I sat down with him and I kind of like got a little closer and I started asking him prison stories and acting like I was really interested in, you know, what he had to say and just kind of like greasing the wheels and, you know, trying to work on the rapport and, James like comes back in and I'm like, Hey James, uh, you, you never guess what Eric just told me about, you know, this and that while he was in prison. And it was like, after that, like things were just different. It was almost like we were friends with him. Mm. And, and then he sat back down and James started talking and the guy started talking and he had continually told us he wouldn't let us record. And then after things started going, I just, I, I, I think I said, it. I was just nonchalantly like, Hey, hey, Eric, we're going to start recording. Is that cool? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, fine. Oh, and then yeah. boom. And then there was like no holds. Well, no. all those pictures that, 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 well, the picture that was, that Wayne was just sharing, the videos, the pictures, there was no talk between me and Wayne prior to that arriving of doing those things. All those things, all those images and videos that I've been able to record and have are because Wayne just took the initiative and I'm like talking to Eric. I'm trying, I'm like focused on I was being the hype man. What and he's things saying. just fell into place. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden I see Wayne like with his camera walking around us. I'm like, oh shit, he's really doing that. I was expecting like Eric to be like, hey, no, I'm not cool with that. But like Eric acted like this was a TV show. He just he like, loved went it. along with it. Like mm -hmm. he just kept going and I was like fuck all right we got it let's keep going <laughs> and then like at one point he's denying knowledge of the podcast right so this this he he came out and confessed I don't know like was it like eight months into the podcast process and you'd been I'm just making that up you'd been knocking on doors and moving in and this guy you know initially he's like no I don't know anything about a podcast I don't know what you're talking about and then as he gets more comfortable and I'm filming and James is working his magic, the guy under his breath, and I can't quote him verbatim, but he, he admits that he felt pressure that night and he felt the walls closing in from the podcast. And that's why he confessed. And he, I mean, there was empty beer cans everywhere. You could tell that this, you know, for, from my perspective, it looked like psychologically this guy was a mess and you know, this, like this guilt was eating him alive and it had come to a head because James was putting pressure on him, like from all around, you know, he's probably getting phone calls from people. He's probably listening to it. And you know, James was, you know, James was closing in on him. And the guy, one guy, one night, the guy, you know, drinks too much and he's, he made up some wild story initially and James can probably tell it way better. Cause I don't exactly recall, but he initially called the nine one one to say something. And he was saying something weird about somebody in his backyard or a dog or something like that. And then he kind of like, I imagine was reluctant to confess. And then there was a second call, right. Where he calls back and he just spills the beans. But that that that's that's what he says he did okay what actually so he, he he so he he says you know like he told you and me when, like i saw a guy he was six foot one all black walking in my pasture and i'm like whoa shit you know like who who the fuck is that and maybe you can edit this maybe you can't but i don't know how you host your podcast but i don't know if swearing is okay oh Curse as much as you fucking want. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. And he's like, you know, shit, what do, you know, do I grab my gun? And I'm like, ah, and this is Eric talking. I don't, you know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, I'm like, well, you got a fucking gun for a reason. Like, well, why don't you grab your gun? And he's like, well, I had guns. But he says he saw someone walking in his back 
yard. That's why he calls 911, tells them to come out because someone's walking in his pasture. And then they come out, they look, they don't find anybody, they leave. And then he says, all of a sudden, when they're leaving, driving down the road, their lights turn on and he blacks out. He's like, I, that's the last thing I remember. So I went back to the records, looked at the call log, and um, I don't know for your listeners, you know, if, if, if they're going to be confused by this, but, you know, it's, they look at the call log and, and they real and I see that, no, there was no first call out there for this guy who was walking on your backyard, you know, oh, there, wow. the first call was the only call hmm. and that was because you wanted to confess. This, and there is, there on record, there is a recorded second call requesting some sort of support out to his property at five o'clock. The first call was, was like around two o'clock, but the second call was requesting animal control to come out to the property to get his dog because he was being arrested. So then you had this dog that was by itself. So they had animal control come out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a wild experience, man. It was, it was, you know, it was wild, you know, to, to, to go through that and to start from where we started to where we were at, you know, Wayne was somebody who I reached out to early on, just thinking, okay, let me talk to the mayor of the town. I want to talk to him, see what he thinks and get some publicity going, getting, you know, some movement. And then all of a sudden I didn't realize I had I Robin, my corner, you know, just supported me 100% the entire way. Yeah, and a lot James, of the, a lot James of the like, publicity, well, who do you think did it? And I was like, let me tell you who I think did it because I pulled a body out of the back of a truck that was, that was you know, and it, one of the most horrific, you know, experiences of my life. I'm telling him about that. And he's, and James is like, oh shit, there's more murders to talk about. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's, 2009 was a wild year. Yeah. So yeah, you, yeah, was- that's right. Wayne, you, you pulled the body out of the truck, right? Uh, yeah, I was I was part of a group of people on a scene that was called out after a, a a person was pulled over and a body was found in the back of the vehicle and it was and you know the the back of the truck also had uh, a freezer in it that was all chained up and looked like something out of like you know Texas Chainsaw oh jeez something and uh, and that was the, you know when I started telling James about that story he's like you know is there just constantly for this guy like all these new uh you know outlets or tributaries started branching off and it, he had so much like subject matter to cover it and he weaves it all together great oh it's beautiful yeah and by the way sorry i, I have a lot of information like not 100 percent right but look man it's a beautiful podcast i gotta finish it and and you you did like like wayne said you did so like you weaved it together. Like I've never seen it weaved together, but I don't know how to explain it. It was weird. It, like a lot of true crime stuff. It's second person view. It was cool to see it first person through your experience, walking through everything and, and actually hearing your thoughts specifically and your interactions with everyone, as opposed to hearing, like just seeing interviews with the narrating voice that doesn't have a personality. So I really appreciate that. You guys were like mind hunter. Have you ever seen the Netflix show mind hunter? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I met Douglas once. What? Yeah, yeah. Wayne, why is your life so crazy? Because I get to hang out Wayne's, with dudes like James. Wayne, Wayne's got a life in his own that, like, he needs to have his own podcast. I swear to God, like, he Wayne's yeah. got a life, dude. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do Wayne, it. I really think you should have a <laughs> podcast, man. Like, you're such a good talker. You're so interesting. You're very smart. Not to like, you know, yeah. kiss your ass. <laughs> but yeah. dude, you really need to have one because anyway. you have a lot of good stuff to put out there. But yeah, so you guys were like Mindhunter, like the way, you know, you know, like when he was the straight man and then like like James, you were kind of more like the straight man, like trying to get like, you know, the interviews out there. And then Wayne, you did like the tricks that they made. That's what that show is. You know, you did the, you know, you guys almost felt like you were friends with him, right? Like the guy who got oh, yeah. Dahmer to say all that shit, like, was kind of like friends with Dom or, you know, the that's exactly that. how we, we laid it out there. And then after like, I don't know, like after hour four and a lot of it's not in there, we, we had everything we wanted. And, and a lot of this, like we, it was, there was no, it was nonverbal, right? Like we knew once we knew we had everything we wanted, 
it was uh, all right. Let's turn up the heat. Let's 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 go from good cop bad cop to bad cop bad cop. <laughs> and you know, we really put it to him. And there was a lot of uh, you know, there was a lot of you need to answer for what you've done. And really, really like aggressive. We got pretty aggressive, and the like it was the big thing was like, okay, you know, you recanted. You said you didn't do this. But the fact that you confessed, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that's a crime in itself because what you've done to the family uh, and making this all fresh and real again, you need to apologize for that. And, you know, James was, James was getting, James was grilling him and the guy was on his heels and it was, you know, he's stuttering. It was weird. It was awkward. And uh, he even at one point, uh, I don't know the episode number, but in the kind of the, the final episodes, he's got, a like this monologue from the daughter that is just heartbreaking and i i think right james you asked her what she would like to say to her mother is that mm -hmm. right and he yeah, played I, that go ahead no yeah i, I think i i'd ask you know um i think what i was sam the nancy's daughter that i was speaking to and just you know asking her what she would say to her mom you know if her mom was out there and if her mom, you know, was in heaven, you know, what would you say to her and making Eric listen to that, you know, it's heartbreaking. Remember, these are people. I mean, these yeah. are people. This is a girl who's grown up with her mom her, like most of her life. You know, this is a girl who didn't have mom on homecoming, on graduation, cheer camp all that stuff every you know to talk about her boyfriend to her mom or you know this is real life and i wanted him to understand that you can't just if you're not responsible like i wanted him to understand you can't say this kind of stuff and i firmly i strongly believe that he is but i wanted i was trying to just pull on his you know heartstrings i was really trying to just like if this doesn't work for you with me telling you or you hearing what she has to say, the daughter, nothing else is going to do. So it now it was an intense, intense moment where, yeah, you know, James well, has got the recorder recording device, not, not in his face, you know, he's, but not at a safe distance, right? This guy could have lunged out on him. I'm sitting there with a hand on a taser in my pocket, ready to, ready to back up James. <laughs> and he, he is playing, for potentially what is possibly the murderer, the voice of the victim's daughter right to that person. That is like, that is like the most intense human moments you can imagine. It was, it was insane. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like as you guys in that position, it's like, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's a rush. It's so many things at once. It's like, how do you even deal with that? That's something that nine, not like beyond 99.99% .99 of people never have to do. So that's just, um, I mean, it's incredible. It's incredibly bad. It's incredibly unique. It's just so many things. James, you, you were trying to pull out his heartstrings, you said. Um, and, and one thing that sticks out to me, I mean, you guys are, you're both smart guys, you know, true crime, all that stuff. He was like a textbook narcissist, like the way he would talk about like, um, you know, like just the things, the, th the things he would say about himself, what other people would say about him as well, uh, Aaron. And, but like you said, it was like a mess at his place and there's beer cans everywhere. It reminds me of American Psycho, how, uh, I forget the main character's name, but it's very clean, it's very clean in his room. But the author said that, you know, it might not actually be as clean as you think it is, you know, and like he's in a mess in his mind. Were, do you think there were even any heartstrings to tug at with him? Uh, yeah, I do because he's a father. Oh, he's a father himself. He's got kids. He's got a daughter. He's got a son. Like, yeah, there. I mean, you hope for that. You know, for, you know, the humanity or the, or the uh, moral compass in him is he can still connect to it. But just, I mean, put put yourself in his position. If he did this and it was not intentional and he was, you're responsible for this, I guess you can refer to it as second degree murder. 
for the last 10 years, when we show up at his property, he's been trying to cope with this. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's getting drunk, whether it's taking pills, whatever it is, he's trying to get through life with, you know, not accepting or not coming forward into accepting responsibility. So in the human mind, it is, it is an amazing thing to compartmentalize those things and, you know, and, and to, to deal with that. You've got to section off and he likely blames her. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just—I mean, you're just—you're just trying to. If there's something there, he, the moment I went up to him, and the moment I shook his hand, and the moment like we're within feet of each other, I could smell the alcohol reeking from his pores. Mm. As soon as he steps out of jail after being in there for like two and a half weeks, he's like he goes right back to it. He's trying to just get through this is what it seems like. So it's funny as we got to about the four and a half, five hour mark of interviewing with him. Now he's probably sober and it's a different Eric that I'm talking to versus mm-hmm. the first Eric I did when I first arrived. It's just, it's right, just right. for him. I think he's just trying to get through it. He's just trying to get through the moment, you know, the last 10 years and, so I'm trying to pull out his heartstring and I'm trying to, to say like, look, listen, like this is, these are the lives that you affected. These are the lives that you impacted. You have a daughter yourself. Would you want her to grow up without a mom? Not knowing what happened to her mom. Like this is what Sam's had to grow up with. You know, this is what her sisters have a grow, had to grow up with. And am I surprised that he, you know, white knuckled it and just continued to hold on to his story. No, I'm not surprised by it. He, he said what he said, he got it off his chest. And now it's up to everybody else to figure it out. So he, uh, so he confessed, but he got, he got let out of uh, prison two weeks later. Mm-hmm. So he confessed to it. And you, so this thing, there's a thing called the corpus electi rule. So the corpus electi rule means I can't, con- you know, the, the state can't convict you based upon just your confession. So to give you an example, I could tell you I killed JFK. Yeah. I would have went with Tupac. To it, I, I would have picked Tupac or Biggie. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, I do believe go. the JFK thing, though. Are we calling the FBI right, right. now? <laughs> They're listening. So I can say I killed that guy, but if you don't have any circumstantial evidence, you can't go based solely on the confession. Okay. Yeah. So why why is that there? Why is the rule there? Why is the law there? Because let's say my kid committed some sort of crime and, and he did it more of like an act of passion. I'm going to cover for him because he's got this whole life and I'm 60 years old. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the hit for him. Well, we didn't try, we, you know, we didn't convict the right person, but this mm-hmm. guy said he did it. So there's a reason why people do it. Maybe I just want to be famous. Maybe I just want to get in the limelight. I did it. So there's, there's all sorts of reasons why people, people confess to a murder that they didn't commit. Right. Yeah. That's why you need to have circumstantial evidence. Exactly. I mean, that's what happened with the Zodiac killer. So many people were saying they were the Zodiac killer and they'd be like, okay, prove it. And then the people would be like, I can't buy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And like, yeah. John Benet Ramsey, John Benet Ramsey had a guy, the little girl, she had a guy who confessed to the killing. His DNA was not on, you know, her underwear. He, He, you know, he was, there was nowhere to actually put him to the crime scene which is completely something new for me because i'm like if you confess to it why like you have this confession well no mm. you need to have more because and that's the part that that is revealing or new to me that i'm like oh so there's that side of what you know the state has to deal with or the detective has to deal with that you don't normally think about so he I, that he, was he uh, that was like bugging me when we were there i'm like i was like okay he confessed but then he recanted what if in our interview with him, he confessed again? Then what does that mean? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, he, he can confess again. Wouldn't mean anything at that point. And 
of course, you have the double jeopardy rule. So before we get to the double jeopardy, if I, everybody is, you know, everybody has the right to a speedy trial. So you, you have the right to be seen before a jury within, I believe it is, it's either 60 or 90 days. So if the prosecuting attorney doesn't have a strong case to go to court, then the defense knows that, which Eric's defense, maybe, or maybe they didn't know that. If they were to go to court within the 60 or 90 days and we didn't have the DNA testing, we didn't have enough besides, you know, at this point he's recanted his confession. Then he gets convicted, not guilty. We can't retry him. Yeah. So we yeah. have a good enough case before we go back to trial. And if anyone's interested in like hearing like why cases are so, if you want a good example of like, like a, a really murky, and a case where there's so many angles, the West Memphis three case with like Damian Eccles, that's a really confusing one. So many people confessing, not confessing. And it, it, when you, when you study law and, and, and uh, adjudication, there's so much that goes into it. Like the cases prior, all that. It's a whole bunch of hullabaloo. Uh, so James, are, what was, and Wayne too, like, what, what was your biggest takeaway from this experience just as a human being? Like, well, what, what do you, what will you carry with you forever after, after this, after the podcast series? Well, Wayne, I'll let you answer first. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I learned a lot about, you know, like, I don't know. And I like the watching James with the family and like the way he conducted his interviews and you know, like there was a lot of like moral wrestling that I got to witness and, you know, his thought process about how do you, how do you deal with, you know, the, the dignity aspects while you're also uh, being a hard pusher. I, and I'm, I'm more likely to just push, right? I don't, I, one of my favorite quotes is uh, in the absence of a plan, you move towards the sound of gunfire and kill everything in front of you, right? That's how I operate. But, you know, James is very deliberate. He's very thoughtful. And to see the way that he just, like, he thought through everything, I learned from that. Yeah, I think, I think for me, to answer that question, what did I take away from, 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 from the podcast season for one? Um, it's just, I think for me, it's just more of everything that I believed in is, is true you know, and how to approach the season and how to approach people. Um, I'm in the insurance industry, so I, I'm a salesman at the, at the same time. Um, but I've always been very strong about relationships or what sells, not the salesman. It's, it's the relationship. So it was just more confirmation that, like, my mentality, how I approach – life and, and relationships like you're on the right path um and you know that's the other I, I think the other the other takeaway was it was very you know i have a different type of res i have a whole nother level of respect for detectives it's 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 insane to think about what they go through and how easy it is for us to be like they dropped the ball you know it's Mm, there's way more to it there's way more to the process and here i had a year to focus on this case these guys have multiple cases active multiple cases so just a total different level of respect and and, and understanding that these guys deal with this on a daily basis this is you know of course they're detectives that deal with this on a daily basis but it's to, to have as strong as a, of a relationship I have with the Moyer family, I still do. Um, I just was with Sam and Bill Moyer like an hour ago. Um, I have a total, another level of respect for them. You know, it's, it's not just you show up, you type, you put in your time, you do your thing. And no, it's like you, you build relationships with these individuals and that's my, that would be my second takeaway is just the level of respect I have for them to be able to do this day in and day out. And there were times I wouldn't go to bed. I literally wouldn't go to bed 
and trying to figure out what happened and working on the episode. And these guys have, have to be able to balance that with their life with multiple individuals. So I have a, a lot of, I have a lot of respect for those guys. When you were talking about the detectives in, uh, like, you know, I, what I'm hearing you saying and is it's not just about gathering information, right? There's also a chess game aspect to it. Like you were talking about with like the corpus selecti and the right to a speedy trial and gathering enough evidence to convince a jury of this and that, and you only get one shot at it. And as soon as you drop those charges, uh, you've got 90 days to be ready. And if all that evidence isn't there, especially after 10 years of evidence decay, then you, you blow, you blow your shot. Mm -hmm. So it, can, Glenn, can you make sure you give James enough time to talk about what he's working on now? If James, oh, can yeah. share, was, if James can share actually, that. I was actually just going to ask him about like, there's a season two, correct? Coming? Or is there something else? No, not, I, oh, I don't know how oh, much is public. So James, no, so I haven't shared. I, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, season two is coming for sure. I needed to take a little bit of a break. Like I said, there was this Nancy's case and this season, you know, took a, a lot out of me physically, emotionally. Um, but I was, if you, I mean, just season one, the success that it had, you got to try again. You got to go back for a season two and uh, Can you working put on the success two. into perspective for us. <laughs> Without yeah. bragging, uh, I mean, it was. I was, when I started the season, I was like, if you can get 50,000 listeners, if you can solve the case, if you can, you know, if you can, you know, if we can figure out what happened, um, that's success. success. And I didn't, trust me, I didn't, I didn't go, in, go into this season thinking, anything less of I'm going to solve this thing. And I understand that's pretty fucking bold of me to think that, but I think that's what also helped me, you know, reach in deep and say, I'm going to get this thing. I'm going to do it. And, and, and there were, you know, hard times, but I, I, there, my expectation going into season one, we're going to solve it. And, and I'm not, sh I'm, and I'm not blowing smoke. I'm, I'm dead serious when I said that I thought I was going to solve the case. Uh, and again, I know that's bold. Um, so we're here now season two, I'm working on it. I actually was just on a call right before we jumped on this call, which is why I was late. Um, I'm working on season two. Um, I'm hoping, and this is actually, you'll hear it here first. Um, my hope is to release the episode uh, Halloween 2020. So, yeah. So, what is the, is it about the same case or is it no, a, no, totally different well, case? Can you reveal anything about the new case? No. All right. Well, no. I, stay I, I, tuned. I, I, I feel. I don't want anybody to, even if on your, on your channel, I don't want anybody to know until I'm ready. Right. And I've been, I've been interviewing a lot of individuals and, you know, Wayne, again, answering the call when I call, Hey, can you come out to me with this? You know, again, shows up after doing an all night shift and heading out to me to the location where this individual went missing, you know, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It's a, it's, it's a bizarre case. Again, a lot of twists and turns in the same area, you know, that, that Nancy went missing. It's Pacific Northwest. It's unfortunately our state in Washington has a lot of disappearances. Um, so we'll see, you know, I can tell you right now, this gentleman's name is Logan Schindelman. And, uh, it was, it's sad to think that this 19 year old young, young adult went missing. And I just, I constantly try to relate it to my life is what if my son, a 19 year old went missing? James, we cannot wait for season two. Um, it's one of the, 
I mean, it's if it's coming out Halloween too. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sh- I I think your podcast is gonna blow up, brother. It's so good. I know I haven't finished it, so I seem like a fake fuck, but I love it. It's really good. Um, before we do our plugs and everything, uh, Wayne, I, you have an announcement too. Uh, uh, the what was just in the papers about the Tenino Wooden Dollars? I want you to be able to say that. Oh, there, there was an article. I'll read. I'll just read the headline. It's kind of funny. Uh, where'd it go? Oh, there's a headline for a, a. You know, there's articles coming out on out all the time, but this headline was pretty good. Uh, it says how Tenino's wooden money is reviving the idea of local currencies. Communities around the world are betting that complementary currency can get them through the economic downturn. Many are looking to a small Washington town for guidance. That's that's pretty bold. Hey. Uh... My guy, Wayne. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. Shit, man. You're doing big yeah. things over there, bro. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Sincerely, Wayne. You're, you're, that's you're, big, bro. That, that's huge. I mean, what you've been able to do, like, like with, 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 the, with the means that you have, like, that's huge, bro. Like, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, same to you, man. Now, now let's find Logan. Let's find Logan. Well, not me, you guys. Wayne, you're the best mayor. I'm going to say right now, Wayne is the best mayor in the United States. Guys, <laughs> starting with James, where can people find you, your work, your stuff? Let's plug our, let's plug yeah. our shit. James Basinger, uh, you can find my podcast, Hide and Seek, on just about any platform that you listen to your podcast from. And uh, season one is about Nancy Moyer. Season two, totally different case. Logan Schindelman, coming to you soon, this October. Wayne? I, I just want to plug Hide and Seek as well. Uh, episode three is my favorite. It's, it's uh, I tell, like, the worst story of, you know, 20 years in the fire service, uh, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty wild tale. So give it a listen. And as Wayne knows, the last thing I ask my guests before I send you guys off is I ask – we want to get people reading. So I ask my guests to suggest a book or a quote that they love. James or Wayne, whoever wants to go first. Ooh. I'm going to, I plugged a book like a couple days ago and I'm still reading. It's Napoleon's Maxims on War. So uh, I do not have a new book. I, I'm going to plug um, a book I recently finished. It's another, you know, mystery. Um, they're actually coming out with the movie. It was supposed to come out this year. Unfortunately, COVID postponed it, but Woman in the Window. Woman in the Window is, is a, more of a uh, fictional true crime, or not true crime, but crime story. And uh, yeah, Woman in the Window. So I just recently finished it, loved it. It was good. Twist turns. You know, you're halfway through the book type of thing. You're like, this is who I think did it. And then you find out at the very end. Maybe they didn't do it. Great. I love it. And James, after season two completely airs, we'll have you back again. You're a great guest. Yeah. I love picking your brain, man. Wayne, obviously you'll be back when it seems right. Um, you're uh, you're going to be a regular guest here, Wayne, whether you like yeah, it or not. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Guys, I will see you later. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everybody.